0: Come on, be honest, you're beginning to believe, aren't you? It was a game that was packaged as being massive in the context of Norwich City season. And so it probably proved and so it certainly felt. Norwich City went to playoff contending Millwall and recorded a 3-2 win. But it's probably the circumstances of the way that they did it, which has made it slightly more impressive. What will that mean for the wider championship picture? Well, we'll explore that and plenty more as we reflect on what was a very pleasing seismic victory in South London for the Canaries. I'm Connor Southwell, joined by the duo that are still olaying after the victory at the Den yesterday, Samuel Seaman and Paddy Davitt. Join me. Uh, we of course, coming to you in association with uh, Future Radio as well. Paddy, I mean, as, as championship wins, as championships games go, they don't get much better than what we saw yesterday at the Den, do they? It was uh, a performance of character and grit, but ultimately that win that I think we packaged and everyone packaged – as being so important for the context of Norwich City season, but also uh, probably a mark of their progress under David Wagner as well.
1: Absolutely, Connor. And and also, it's worth reiterating um, two things. You know, against a team who hadn't lost at home in the league since September the 14th, so where are we now? Rough count-up. You're sort of talking getting on for six, seven months. Um, Recently got a draw against Burnley. Uh, who were romping away with it at the top, and had beaten Sheffield United, the other team in the automatics. That was the standard of opponent or the challenge Norwich faced. And also, as the game um, unfolded, they they went behind. So, you know, we talked about it in the car, you know, this idea that, and Wagner himself had flagged it, that he felt there was an issue with adversity um, and this group reacting to it in a positive fashion. Well... Not on the evidence of what we saw unfold at Millwall because it you can't get many more challenging terrain than than that place. Um, and a team who are firmly in the playoff mix themselves and, and then to fall behind. And so, in that setting, to do what they did subsequently and the manner they did it as well you know, uh, brilliantly inventive short corner routines, uh, a brilliant, brilliantly crafted and executed goal from Gabby Zara, and then um the final 10 or 15 minutes in which Millwall did get a goal back and 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 the, the, the grandstand finish was set up for them to resist as they did as the balls rained into their box. It really was, you know, maybe not quite the complete performance because of the, the calamity nature of Millwall's opening goal and, and, and the role of the two centre-backs, but not far off it. And to do it when the pressure's on, when the games are running out, when they're trying to make up ground, when they had questions to answer about going away from home to a team who are in the fight with them and prevailing uh you know let's we'll try and keep a lid on it but but it is hard to get not swept away with the sense that and certainly those 3000 fans who filtered away into to the london night that something special is building again and uh, it's remarkable really the speed with which wagner has engineered this turnaround but um you know th- there's there's no doubt now that if I was a Middlesbrough or anything connected to a Middlesbrough or a, or a Blackburn even, or maybe even a Sheffield United, you are now, when that result comes through and you see Norwich winning at Millwall, you know Norwich are a live threat now. And and they, that certainly didn't feel like it was the case. Well, it definitely wasn't the case at the end of Dean Smith's tenure. And even in those kind of one step forward, one one step back feeling uh, around some of the early David Wagner games, but now very much this is a team, if you're you're looking at it, and you're in that fight, you must fear Norwich now, I would have thought.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about how the figure they would need to achieve was two points per game, just over two points per game. I think we we spoke about in order for them to break into the top six. Well, that's proven to be correct. They're, they're currently uh, 19 points from David Wagner's uh, opening nine games as Norwich City head coach. That is about a rate of 2.11, I think, which uh, has pushed them into the top six for the first time, certainly this calendar year. But, but since December, they actually have a, a better goal difference than Luton and Blackburn, who are above them as well. Sam, in, in terms of a performance I know it maybe wasn't what we would describe as a complete performance because of that opening period of the game but was it perhaps the most pleasing performance in terms of all of the aspects that Paddy outlined there the fact that this group was or did have to face down adversity they did have to stare it in the face they did have to dig deep into their reserves they were getting frustrated at points and yet they managed to find a solution they managed to find a result and as Paddy correctly says, it's probably something that earlier on in the season you could even throw in uh, the manager if you wanted to under Dean Smith they probably wouldn't have achieved. So that's kind of links back to my first question, really. So two part question, I suppose. One about the pleasing performance, but also it's a, a real sign of their their progress and and just what David Wagner has been able to do in his in his opening nine games in charge, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it's pleasing because it was probably one where we actually saw a number of elements come together i'm not sure it's the very best norwich have played this season but against the calibre of opposition to be able to um almost put as many criticisms to rest as they have um yesterday i think would be very very pleasing for them and i think when you levelled quite a number of, of stats at david wagner on thursday he responded by saying that the target was to um sort those out and dispel any myths that they've got weaknesses in certain areas and that they can't do certain things this season and if you look at Wagner's tenure so far, they're just ticking off those boxes of where people have maybe doubted them this season. At first it was home form and, and Carra Road and then you look and they've won three consecutive games in quite convincing fashion at home. Um, then it was away, away form in recent games and they've managed to go to, as Paddy said, a really, really difficult place and come away with a 3-2 win. There was also questions, as you said, about adversity and they've come through that and clung on for a really tough 12 minutes uh, or maybe 13, I think it was in the end. Um, you know, camped in their own box, dealing with the pressure of 20,000 fans um, right on top of them. And, and really that home support was absolutely willing the ball into the net. And every time the ball was going out for a corner, it was, um, you know, the raw increased even further and given they had conceded from a set piece earlier in the game i think it would have been natural to collapse in on themselves perhaps and um allow that fear to creep into their their game i think many teams in the football league perhaps would have conceded an equaliser against one of the form teams in the championship but norwich dug in they displayed the characteristics that a lot of people have criticised them for lacking and i think they'll be really pleased with that because for a number of years now um The criticism from fans has been that they're not physical enough, they're not perhaps streetwise enough, um, they're not nasty enough to succeed in this league. And I think with the number of bookings and fouls that they they showed yesterday, as well as that determination to um, keep out the the Millwall attack late on, I think they showed that actually, especially at this level, they are capable of getting a bit down and dirty and, and showing that they have got that side to their game. So, um, yeah, I I think Norwich fans will look at that and they'll say a lot of their concerns have been addressed. And we have to probably caveat it with the importance of consistency. We can't just look at this performance and say that's all the problem solved. But they at least showed that they've got it within them. And how many times this season have we said that? Um, I think they can go on and be an even better team than they've shown in the last few weeks. And uh, I think if they can display all the characteristics we saw yesterday... Um, which is what makes it so pleasing, then, well, well, if they can do that game to game, they'll win the playoffs for, um, for sure. But putting that consistency together and continuing that is the difficult bit. Thankfully, they've now got momentum behind them. And I think probably a lot of people are backing them and starting to believe in them because we get this sense now um, that under David Wagner, he's slowly dragging things forward to the point where all the important factors are, uh, are in their favour.
0: Yeah, and, and and you're right, and all of those all of those boxes, I think, of improvement that that people and and ourselves have spoken about, does feel like they're getting ticks. It's now just a case of consistency. Because as much as we can revel in in the win, and we will, we will certainly do that over the course of the next uh, forty five minutes to an hour or so, is that there does need to be a bigger data sample, really, in terms of uh, of what they're doing, but certainly in terms of initial impact, initial uplift, initial results. Um, it's it's all heading very very positively for Norwich City in terms of direction of travel. And uh, I remember us speaking quite, quite a lot about uh, the two thousand it was it sixteen seventeen season under Alex Neil. I wonder if we've got the wrong one, and we need to be talking about the one beforehand when he came in and made the impact. Um, uh, and it was obviously ended in, in, in a Wembley triumph. But like I said, let's not uh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Paddy, I mean this, this, this war, and, and a lot was made of Norwich City's record against the top ten. Moving into into this game, they'd only beaten two teams. Both of those victories came in August, so they hadn't beaten a team inside the top ten since then. Uh, it was Millwall and Sunderland, the two teams that they've beaten. Ironically, we've got a stretch of games now where it's Millwall, and then next week it's Sunderland, who are still, despite a five-one defeat to, to to Stoke and three and, and back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back-to-back defeats, uh, do still find themselves clinging on to the top ten. So. This win, and we've kind of spoken about it in regard to Norwich, but in terms of the optics of it, and I'm speaking probably more from a supporting perspective there, it does feel like a result that's probably turned hope that something could happen this season into maybe a slight belief that things could happen this season. I mean, you, you only need to take stock of social media or wander back to the to the back of the away end yesterday to gauge the reaction. Norwich fans believe this is possible now. That certainly wasn't the case two, three Possibly even a week ago.
1: No, and the reason I think for that is because the last two times they've been in this in this division, they have proven it's possible. Different scenarios, different head coaches, different sets of players. Some some constants, obviously, as we know. But but fundamentally, the the end destination ended in the Premier League, so they know what it takes. As as that core group of players do. As David Wagner led, Nor- led Huddersfield to the championship playoffs and on to the uh, to the Premier League so there's a real body of both internal and external kind of muscle memory almost about yep yeah, now we're in a position and we know how to finish the deal whether they will or not time will tell um but they're now in the conversation firmly and you know I've already sort of touched on it earlier if I'm Middlesbrough if I'm you know if I'm Blackburn if from Sheffield United Luton Millwall now you know I'm probably looking at Norwich Certainly, in the dying embers of Dean Smith's tenure, I think they're a busted flush. They're gone. They're not getting back into this uh, conversation. We can discount them. You definitely cannot discount Norwich now because it's also worth pointing out, I was just, as you were just, you and Sam were just coming to an end of that segment that in April, um, they've got Sheffield United, they've got Blackburn, they've got Middlesbrough. You know, they, they there's games there that. And I've seen one or two fans, and I'd put them in probably in the overly optimistic category on, on this Sunday morning, uh, not ruling out, just pinching the second automatic spot, never mind them um, shoring up their top six place and having a crack at the playoffs. And you look at the teams that they've got to play in April, you, you wouldn't say it's it's a complete uh, pie in the sky, but, but but maybe more in terms of sending signals and what we saw at Millwall, you know, a team in and around them, challenging circumstances, found a way. If they can find a way in those games, Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, Blackburn. Um, and then, as I say, you know, they will, if it is playoffs, they will be the team to fear. And um, and it'll be because of, as we always say with playoffs, who's got the momentum going into them. And they would have that clearly if they were to, to prevail between now and the end of the season and continue on the two point per game ratio that we are now seeing under Wagner. But I, I think secondary to that would be, well... You know, they've got a head coach who's won the playoffs. They've got Kenny McLean who's won the playoffs. They've got Ben Gibson. They've got Grant Hanley. They've got Max Aarons. I could go on and on. You know, multiple reasons why Norwich City, if they can get themselves into the playoffs and they they reach that point with momentum behind them. Uh, and that's not just internally, uh, as we've touched on. You know, those 3,000 fans and the, the, the raucous atmosphere they created and, and the noise... Um, you know that will just snowball now, and the next away game, big turnout. The next car Road game, as David Wagner said to us after the game on Saturday, it's going to be electric. Can you imagine now? This day, next week, actually Sunday, lunchtime kickoff, um, Sunderland at Car Road. That place will be bouncing, um, and that has a momentum, and that has a that has a huge factor to play as well because there's almost becomes an unstoppable momentum that that it doesn't matter what an opponent can do, you're not going to halt this Norwich juggernaut, and um you know, that's the exciting point. Are we now on the start of this journey? And what we saw yesterday was was more confirmation that, you know, under this head coach and this group of players, it is possible. Um uh, and, you know, now we can't wait for the games to come around. You know, there was probably a point where it was a, a weariness about just get the season done and then it's a reset and a big one at that needed. Now it's um you can't wait for Blackburn, you can't wait for Sheffield United, you can't wait for Middlesbrough. Get and, and that really does underline that the the shift in terms of mood around this football club is, uh, well, it's probably not over overly hyping it to say it's it's quite a phenomenal turnaround, really, from from the point that David Wagner inherited, which was only January, and we're only just into March now. Um, you cannot pay that guy enough credit, really, because he's ultimately, in terms of what he's done, in terms of galvanising that group of players, how he's galvanised the fan base, is his selections uh, and he made a few yesterday that were big calls again and and how he's marshalling his players out how, how him and his coaches are deconstructing the challenges they face um is, is is a plus at the minute you know if you were to grade wagner since he walked through the door he's a plus and um long may that continue because if it does you know you'll have to be a very good team i think to halt norwich now
0: yeah what well, what's what's caught me about it actually and and it's the collective improvement absolutely but it's also the individual improvement that we're seeing some from someplace on el Hernandez for example who has recorded five assists since uh since David Wagner walked into the building having not recorded a single one beforehand he's he started eight of, of the nine games gabby Sarah now who is looking I think increasingly a Premier League grade player a millwall official kind of repeated that to me uh yesterday at the den the fact that these players and you could throw several more in there Kenny McLean. um I don't know. Anyone else want to throw anyone else in? Uh, Max Ahrens has, has improved. We, we could Kieran, uh, Dow. Kieran, Dow, Kieran Dow, you know Ben Gibson, Grant Hanley. We, we could we could list quite a few, even though they did make a little bit of an error for the first goal. But that individual improvement that he's got, not just out of young players, Sam, but also against uh, out of seasoned, experienced head, Onel Hernandez, for example, who's someone who's taken a lot of criticism for kind of his decision making. That goes to show just how positive an impact he has made kind of on the players from a a purely coaching point as well because it's the type of result and the type of performance is collectively and individually that you just wouldn't have associated with this Norwich City team without David Wagner at the helm
2: no absolutely and that was one of the main criticisms levelled at Dean Smith was that people were actually seeing more regression than improvement from some of their key players um, throughout his tenure and The uplift that Wagner has provided probably doesn't look particularly good on the former Aston Villa chief, but I think it shows just what Wagner is all about and what good coaches are all about. And the fact that he's able to both improve quite drastically the tactical identity of the team and the functionality from that standpoint, as well as the individuals, um, shows, I think, The depth of an outstanding coach to be honest because the old cliche of football a lot of the time is to label managers as man managers or tacticians and when somebody can bring both of those together and improve the team um, at quite a high level I think that's that is a a rare thing and something that Norwich are probably very privileged to have in David Wagner Um, as you said you look at some of the players you know Max Ahrens is a completely different player to what he was under Dean Smith, um, as is Gabriel Sara, But I also think we have to look at the tactical impacts of David Wagner's system and what's what that's done for certain players. For example, Max Aarons having the freedom to roam the right wing. Um, I think that's, not only is that a characteristic that fans want to see on the pitch and it improves that attacking philosophy that people have been crying out for. It actually plays into Max Aaron's strength. Same with Gabriel Sara, as much as um, he's improved his performance since Wagner arrived. I don't believe personally he's been doing too much on the passing range of, of Sarah or his shooting. To me, it's just him playing in the right role and fitting in exactly where he probably should be playing and I know he arrived maybe as that slightly further forward player and a a sort of late arriver in the box but Wagner's ability to see in players certain abilities that he can draw out with his own tactical philosophy I think is really impressive especially when you consider the lack of business they did in January obviously they brought brought in Marquinhos but you'd you'd think that with most clubs for a player for a A coach to come in and and, um, put in their own sort of recognisable philosophy, they'd have to do quite a lot of business and have quite a lot of their own players come in and fulfil roles that they see with very specific abilities. What Wagner's been able to do is come in and take a squad that under Dean Smith looked quite poorly assembled and quite sort of mismatched with each other and make them look like they've actually been put together perfectly for his system. And the fact that he's made he's been able to take so many of those players and mould them into his system and improve them by doing that, I think is is absolutely fantastic for Norwich and the results are there for all to see. But um, I think when we sit down and, and consider which players to write about, I think it speaks to how good some of those individuals have been that for me when I'm sitting down and thinking about which player impressed me the most, I've got five or six players after every game that I could highlight and talk about as a really interesting example of the improvement in the team. So, yeah, one of the the major things that David Wagner has brought is that improvement from individual players. But I'd say it's all sort of interlinked with his various abilities, tactically, man management-wise, and sort of on the grass with the players. Uh, and you have to give credit to, to him and his team because... Nobody can deny what a massive transformation they've put in place since arrival.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's problem solving. That feels to me like the the main attribute that he's brought. I mean, you you look at the the team yesterday, and Paddy mentioned some of the the brave changes that he made, put, putting Jakob Sorensen in uh, Sorensen into into midfield when he when he hasn't played there for a, quite a long period of time, really, just to give them a bit more physicality to shore it up, to kind of try and halt the counter attacking uh, threat that the Mill possessed, particularly from central areas, and again after maybe a little bit of a slow opening 20 minutes i thought he was superb um you know, Kenny McLean and, and his role probably at a different point. But the, the fact that they, they had Mida on, on one wing and on El Hernandez on the other, and, and they had different ways of kind of progressing the ball up the pitch, which has been a problem at points this season. All of those various elements in terms of uh, of the, the the issues that they're finding to problems now and the, the way that they're deploying individuals and maybe more broadly the, the tactics that they're using as well to, to find solutions. Are so impressive, so impressive. And that is probably why they're looking a lot more functional and a lot more, uh, uh well, a lot better coach now than, the was the case. I mean, on, on, on El Hernandez pad, I mean, you, you look at him, he, he, he's a really interesting player, uh, because I think we've, uh, and, and everyone who's watched Norwich City has probably felt frustrated by him for, for a prolonged period of time, really, um, in terms of his output. I mean, I've got some numbers in, in front of me here before, um, david wagner's arrival it was it was free assists in in about 80 games or so for norwich city obviously had a couple of loan spells away uh since david wagner's arrival it's it's five some people might want to say 4 i'm giving him the assist for the the cross that led to tom bradshaw's own goal whether you do or not is up to you it's it, it for me if a norwich player scored that it's an assist so i don't really understand why it's any different for an own goal but so there you go so I'm, I'm gonna say it's five i mean that that improvement is pretty stark and and he's just one example as well the the individual improvement that David Wagner has, has managed to get out of players and the kind of extra percentage that he's he's extracting from them. It, it, it's it, it's just a testament, I guess, to him. And, and look, he's got a, a team of coaches behind him as well that he will want to credit. But the impact that they've been able to have and the buy-in as well that they've been able to get from this group of players in terms of their ideas and the execution of them.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and Ornell probably um, is the most stark example of that because those stats were not favourable and I, I've been very, um, you know, quick to point out over the entirety of his Norwich career that his end product wasn't where it needed to be um, and that's probably what was, was held him back from from really, you know, going up, up the levels again and being an influential player at the higher levels and um, for Wagner to extract that out of 30-year-old as well. You know, this isn't a 20-year-old who's raw material in, i.e. a Ineos. you know, pertinent example, a player in his position. Um, or Jolis maybe a better example because he's, he's one of Norwich's own players. For him to do it and, you know, we'll just caveat it that, uh, you know, is, is this, you know, a purple patch in Onel Hernandez's career and will he plateau off again or can he now sustain this? Can he maintain this type of productivity? And For me, it's a big enough sample to say, well, this isn't just one good game or two good games. He's now consistently um, producing match-defining moments. And, you know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, his role in in the goal, which for me is definitely an assist, even though it's basically nutmeg Tom Bradshaw and it's rolled over over the Millwall players' line. Um, But the third goal, the third goal, he's squared up a player. He's put the afterburners on, gone past him. And where so many times, and those stats you quoted would underscore it, He's got himself in a similar scenario where he's basically in the final third, in the penalty area, and picked the wrong option. We've seen it again. We've seen it again. The cut back into it now. Whether it was he's he spotted Gabi Zara and he and he, and he's he's actually picking him out, or whether, as he did with the Marquinhos goal against Cardiff the previous week, he's just putting it into an area. You know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he did spot Zara, and and obviously Zara then had to show some serious dexterity to sort of bring The ball under control and then whip it round and, and volley it in under via the side of the bar on his left. So that pass is only as good as the, as, the, as the 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 action that followed. But again, it was another very clear example of a wide player making a, a very meaningful contribution. And then there was one or two other examples thereafter. Of course, he's full of confidence, but he's beaten a player again. I remember a cross, he whipped in. Timmy Puki's gone near post header and uh, it's on target to keep his palmed it round. You know, just actions of a player who is really enjoying working for a head coach. And of course, I think that inevitably you do see it. You you do see players are coming to the end of contracts. They suddenly find something from somewhere. And I think that's probably is the motivation that, well, you know, where, where, where's my next payday coming from? You know, uh, am I going to have a contract here? If so, I've got to, uh, you know, show my worth. Um, if not, I've got to put myself in the shop window and, and whatever it is that's motivating him. Um, that certainly has to be also factored into the equation but but you still need to go out and perform and perform consistently and perform in a way that now i mean it's it's not even a debate that man must be secured to a new co- contract because if it's the championship again next season or even the higher level under this head coach th- th- there's real tangible signs that you can you can have a player who you know, again, would be one that would be bracketed when we look at the overview of Stuart Weber and his recruitment and his transfer window dealings, window after window, over these last sort of six years or so. I think Hernandez, you, you probably, you know, up to this point, you'd you'd maybe put him in the category. Certainly not in the uh, the Buendia, Pookie, Tim Cruel even category of um, absolute brilliant bits of business. You'd probably say, well, I think, on balance, he'd probably go into the the basket that it. it It worked on occasion, but maybe over the entirety hasn't quite been the signing that anybody would have hoped. But now, um, you know, with the caveat that, you know, we're only now talking eight, nine league games under this head coach, um, and we wouldn't like to see it slip away again. But ultimately, I think the the most pertinent thing you could say is when David Wagner sits down with his coaching staff Friday, Saturday as it might be, to put his team on 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 the pitch for Sunderland, Onel Hernandez will be in that team. He, he, I'm not saying he's the first name on the team sheet. I think there's a certain Brazilian in, in central midfield or an attacking midfielder who might be the first on the team sheet. But Onel Hernandez would be in that 11. If there's a, you know no issues with fitness or whatever and around the camp between now and Sunday, that is a measure of how far he, was, he has progressed under this head coach um, and moving forward, how important it is to get him on a new contract. And And I don't think because he's, I think it was you, Connor, He spoke to after the. I can't quite remember which recent game, but more Coventry. or less said, "Yeah, Coventry, yeah, put, put the pen in my hand, give me the paper, and I'll sign, and I'll sign now." You know, because we know how deeply attached he feels to the area, to to the club, um, and to the fan base. So you know, that's a very easy deal, and um, it's it becomes increasingly easier to do for all parties if he performs on the level he is at the minute. So uh, it's a great story. It's a great story because. You know, there is a player there who, in the modern age, you know, you talk. there's always this feeling players don't really grow an attachment to a club. Um, They're very transitory. You know, they're they're here today, gone tomorrow. Not him. You know, he really does understand. He's got the DNA of what it is to represent Norwich City. And if he can then overlay that with actually being a meaningful starting eleven player, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? You get him signed up.
0: Yeah, completely. And and I think you you spoke about fuel there. And and sometimes players can, can want to prove themselves even to get a new deal but but also to attract people if that wasn't the case that doesn't feel like that is even present in his mind it feels like the performance levels are being driven by a desperation, I would even say, to stay at Norwich City, he's been away on loan. He's experienced what playing football in England uh, is like outside of Norwich City. I don't think he enjoyed either of those experiences particularly much. If you uh, if you asked him honestly, but what's really interesting about him is he's one of the few players that David Wagner probably did have a an opinion of coming in because he's someone that he tried to sign for, for Huddersfield. So. Uh, he is one that he would have been aware of. And the fact that he's kind of pulled him in from being this kind of finisher, which was the way that Dean Smith used to describe him, someone who could impact games from the bench, which is such a tough role anyway, uh, to basically being cast in a, in a leading role under, under David Wagner is, is pretty, pretty, yeah. Like you say, it's a really, really nice story for uh, someone who is really appreciated by, by Norwich City supporters as well. We will come back to Gabrielle Sarah, but Sam, I mean, the, the, we we spoke about problem solving that's probably epitomized by two of Norwich's three goals in this game isn't it the the, the corner routines and uh, and the way they were devised the fact that there was probably a realization that actually if you're a Gabriel Sara uh, Jakob Sorensen who, who took the corner that, that led to to uh, the own goal if you're about to take the corner and you look up you're probably seeing what is land of giants in the middle of the box right is Jake Cooper and Charlie Cresswell and the rest of them, all about six foot plus. And, and the the idea that just sort of lofting a ball into that area is going to lead to any kind of tangible aerial result feels quite, um, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it would happen really. So the fact they've been able to find a solution to that and a really clever solution, but also a well-worked one that's produced two goals, scored two goals from corners this season, they've doubled that in, in one game. Again, it kind of links back to this point about Wagner and his coaching team. They are finding solutions and clever solutions To problems.
2: Yeah and I was actually really pleasantly surprised when um, Paddy asked Wagner about those set piece routines yesterday and he explained that it was to do with the sort of Millwall height and I think there's actually been a clamour from fans for a long time and probably from teams behind the scenes as well to get more out of set pieces. I think football for a long time has been doing it wrong to be honest. If you look at where a, a corner is on the pitch and the number of players you can get into the opposition box, the fact that they are as widely unsuccessful as they are probably means clubs were looking to exploit that area of the game quite a lot more. And I think Norwich have done that really, really well in this game. To actually break it down almost in a tactical way like they like they would in normal play and look at the strengths of the opposition rather than just, you know, what's this clever thing we can do, I think is really, really encouraging for me and I actually when when Wagner was asked I thought he would just say oh well we need to try something different from time to time or we were working on this in training and it looked quite good so we thought we'd give it a go um, but actually the way that they broke down why they needed to do it in this game for me was was really encouraging I think for the future perhaps it doesn't bode so well because uh, now teams will be more aware of it and it's probably earned them three points so it's absolutely worth it but teams now will be very switched on for every Norwich corner. And if that explanation is because of the the Millwall game and the strengths that they have, perhaps they won't be able to apply that to the large majority of the other teams they'll face. So how much more that means for Norwich going forward, I think we'll have to wait and see. But certainly yesterday, it was an example to me of really good coaching, really good Thinking outside the box, and how many times has sort of Stuart Webber and those sort of um, those responsible for data behind the scenes? How much have they spoken about marginal gains and finding ways to achieve outside the box? And how Norwich have to do that as a a club who perhaps don't benefit financially as much as as others. And um, I think perhaps we can underestimate at times quite what three points is worth in in football, and the fact that they've managed to just do two very clever things that have earned them an absolutely massive result, I think has to go down in in the favour of, I think, probably Andrew Hughes. And I don't know if we were planning on talking about it, but it does lead me on to say that obviously Alan Russell wasn't at the game yesterday. Um, David Wagner, very coy when asked about why that was, but I think the irony was not lost on Norwich fans that the, uh, the set-piece coach wasn't there uh, and and for the first time um, he wasn't there, they scored two goals from two very clever set piece routines, so it'll be very interesting to follow that thread. Um, but yeah, I think very, very encouraging. Uh, but I, I think probably Norwich fans have already shifted their focus to the Alan Russell dynamic and, and how that may be affected in, in the next
1: couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and it was uh, it was Andy Hughes that Onel Hernandez picked out after the, the second corner and and uh, sort of celebrated with. Uh, he's at, so, you know, he's, he's what first team coach loans manager. Now he's sort of overseeing set pieces for the time being. I mean, that's, that's becoming quite a job that Andy Hughes is, uh, is taking on behind the scenes at Norwich city. I mean, Padler, uh, Alan, Alan, Russell, we, 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 we probably should speak about him. Obviously we are probably expecting some sort of solution or something to, to come out in, in the coming days. Um, Perhaps not the biggest surprise. He wasn't at the at the den on on Saturday. Like I say, we're we're purely speculating. But in terms of him, he he kind of is uh, perhaps the the last remaining part, certainly on on the coaching team anyway, that kind of overhangs from the the Dean Smith era. David Wagner perhaps was asked about him. Uh, I think probably a week or two into his reign, and and maybe the answer was essentially wait and see, wasn't it? And he wanted to wait and see and and, and give him time. I mean, his his absence. I, I think we will get a lot of people talking. He, he he was obviously sort of pushed into to prominence with that uh, those two games in charges as, as a caretaker. He did that absolutely stunning press conference, uh, of course, which will go down as press conference of the season. Uh, of his of his first I, I'm I'm joking, by the way, uh, for the for, for ahead of that Blackburn game. I mean, what what do you make of it, and what did you make of David Wagner's coyness around it? Um, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Well, I mean, as you say, I mean it was Sam who asked him actually, and I think it was uh, four or five words around the thing I want to say on the, at the moment. Which, and I'm purely hyp- hypothesising here, is that a contractual sort of situation where they, until they reach that amicable parting of the ways, that they can actually message out. Um, but the evidence, clearly with your eyes, was that he wasn't at Millwall you spotted in the pre-match warm-up the, the segment that he would do, the shooting drills, that was Christoph Buehler, uh, Wagner's assistant, straight away, then that would indicate there's no Alan Russell. And uh, as the game panned out, as some quite rightly alludes to, no set-piece coach, and they scored two excellent goals from set pieces. And the giveaway was on El Hernandez running to embrace Andrew Hughes. And you spoke to Jakob Sorensen, who, who more or less confirmed it was Andrew Hughes, um, who, who had devised that. And And for me, the the, the 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 crucial piece of information was that you know it wasn't uh, something unforeseen that Alan Russell had been there all week and working on set pieces and for whatever reason um, wasn't able to be in attendance at Millwall. It was Andrew Hughes had been de- devising and um, executing those set piece plans. So, do we does that lead us to believe that or surmise that Alan Russell wasn't involved and wasn't part of the Colney prep? We don't know that, but it's all hypothetical. But ultimately. If I'm pulling all the strands together with the available evidence and, and what Wagner didn't say rather than what he did say, I think it's safe to say that Alan Russell isn't going to be part of David Wagner's uh, longer term plans moving forward. And you know that doesn't really surprise me. There was a it was a, just a just an incident I saw in the Wigan game, which I. Recounted to you boys, and it was something or nothing, but but there was a bit of a an altercation between the two—verbal altercation, just in terms of a, a, I think that second half, which obviously wasn't the best in terms of Norwich's performances of recent times, and just a little sort of I think slowness maybe Wagner felt in terms of getting players onto the pitch, and Russell wanting to give them the, the set piece instructions and. It looked from our vantage that there were words were exchanged and there was a there was a bit of hand waving from both parties. But as I say, I mean that was just something I observed and that two weeks ago. So you know, ultimately we're stealing facts. He wasn't there at Millwall. Um, it remains to be seen if he'll be there for the Sunderland game, and if not, I'm sure in the intervening period that uh, the club will confirm uh, what has happened to Alan Russell in terms of moving forward and his role as set piece coach. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, so that that probably brings us night, and it feels like we're, we're increasingly having to dedicate a portion of the pod to Gabriel Sarah, But such is his level of performance at the moment, uh, he, he's certainly worthy of it. It's a, oh, it's a good goal, isn't it, Sam? I mean, the the technical quality. Uh, you know, we kind of spoke this in, spoke about this in the Hernandez segment, but it's not a perfect cut back. It's it's a good it's a good cut back. He finds him by by all accounts by hook or or by crook, but. The first touch, the shot on the turn, and then, of course, extra points for it, hitting the underside of the crossbar, which aesthetically always makes a goal look much better. But his overall performance, David Wagner described him as, as the best player on the pitch, and that's becoming a, a repeated theme, isn't it, over the course of the last few weeks. Gabriel Sarra went on a football pitch in the Championship. is looking like the best player pretty consistently now.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, I saw a tweet from you yesterday that alluded to him perhaps being the best midfielder in the championship and not my oh, words
0: he... not my words gianni and no. fantino's words fact
2: words with his eyes was it or yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But why else um... is he at the den <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably fair um i think he was yeah he was absolutely excellent again and and as he as he said or, or as gianni said with his eyes uh 10 probably over the last 10 games there's probably not been a better player in the championship the technical quality that he's possessed um is absolutely fantastic and then you put that together with the physical presence that he offers the tactical understanding that he clearly has um despite just arriving in this country uh, last summer and having been under two head coaches that have asked him to play two completely different roles then you add in the uh, the relationship with Kenny McLean there are so many elements to uh, and the running as well I wanted to mention that again um I think that's probably the the dean smithism that's uh, carried over best from that, that sort of uh, period to this one. I think his running is absolutely fantastic and the amount that he offers movement-wise, even if he's not perhaps getting back and defending as much as you might like all the time, well, um, that's not necessarily his forte. I think the the movement is so helpful to the team when they're trying to get things going and they're trying to get the ball through the thirds because he literally never stops offering options to the players behind him. And I think that's a a major strength and you put all those things together and it feels strange to label him an all-rounder because that technical quality is so good and you want to focus on that creativity and what he produces in the final third but he does have just so many elements that players want and i think when norwich have scouted for the premier league and they've tried to recruit with some of the elements that they feel are important at the top level he's probably the player they've been looking for for the last two summers they've been trying to to stay in the Premier League to be honest so to have found him before a championship season is quite ironic but obviously we know the ambitions of the club and the targets that they have at the moment the ambition is that they get promoted and then he is that key player and I think Stuart Webber spoke about the fact that recruitment last summer was geared to players who they thought could translate into that long-term goal of being successful in the Premier League and for me there's no better example of Gabriel Sara. Probably one of the best bits of recruitment they've done since that famous summer of Emi Buendia, Teemu Pukki, uh, Moritz Leitner, et cetera. Um, so I think it's a really, really pleasing uh, thing for Norwich to have that player and that, that key man who they can rely on to produce moments because ever since Emi Buendia's left, and I've been banging on about this, on such a consistent basis, they've been desperate for somebody to fill that hole. And I think without totally christening him 100%, because uh, I think I wrote a piece earlier this season about Aaron Ramsey being the replacement for Emi Buendia. But uh, I think I'm very close to saying that he is that replacement. And as much as he may not be totally 100% there, because Emi Buendia is, to be fair, one of the best players ever to put on an Norwich shirt, he, he does fill that gap. Especially in this role under David Wagner, he can create chances, he can score goals, he can threaten defenses, and um, yeah, I think I can totally understand why Norwich fans, along with probably the best song they're singing at the moment, have warmed to him so much. And that goal, um, I probably enjoyed it more than the Marcelino Nunez one. To be honest, I'm not saying I I'm not trying to get into another debate about which one was better. The Nunez one was better, but I think it's one of those. It's so good to watch. Um, when I got back to my house uh, last night, I tried to. Demonstrated what what it looked like um, to my friends without a ball, and that didn't go particularly well. So I can't imagine how Gabriel Saras done it in the championship game um, from fifteen yards out. It was an absolutely fantastic try. You, you,
0: you, you were saying that you could replicate the Marcelino Nunez one, the hundred attempts last week.
2: I think that would be easier to replicate. I'll be honest. Uh, for me, for me, person to be fair, when I'm doing this off the ball, I was trying to do it with my my left foot. I was trying to give an absolute replica and you know I'm not that I'm not that talented that I can pull it off with both feet so um no I think that that was uh that was quite a, an interesting experience I, I wonder how on earth Gabriel Sara has managed to do it but it was certainly the goal that his performance deserved and probably that his performances over the last few weeks have deserved and if he can keep this up and it isn't just one burst of form then uh well two things really he can be a massive player for Norwich uh in the short to midterm and in the long term, he won't be an Irish player for much longer because uh, I think for me, he's destined for, if he can keep this up, he's probably destined for the mid-table or the top half of the Premier League.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kenny McLean, uh, I'm trying to think when it was, it might even have been last week, described him as as the complete midfielder pad, thrown in what, what David Wagner said about him yesterday. And and the complete midfielder feels like the best way to describe him at the moment. He's scoring goals. He's contributing to what they're doing from an attacking perspective. He's added kind of the robustness that you need at this level of football in order to compete. He's doing it on pitches, which aren't particularly great. Um, but he's also doing it now, since David Wagner walked into the building, pretty consistently. I mean, it's it's an incredible level of performance that he's that he's reached at the moment, isn't it? In terms of his quality, his consistency. Uh, and again, just someone who seems to be driving Norwich City forward sometimes, almost single-handedly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was th- the words that David Wagner used to describe his performance. He said he was the best player on the pitch, but then he he went on to sort of categorise it as it was a in terms of a British midfielder, uh, it was as good as you could get. And, and I think what he meant by that is is those elements that Sam's mapped out. It, I don't I don't think anybody disputes his technical ability, um, his range of passing certainly he's got his eye for goal as well. We, we're starting to see that in, in more uh, frequent fashion than we have done. But for me, watching him, th- those were the question marks really. And partly that's the, the whole process of, particularly the turbulence of, you know, a different head coach or a, the coach who, who he first came in and worked with was no longer there. But just what what role they were asking him to do and, and whether he felt comfortable with it. And he seemed to get moved from pillar to post. But, you know, you've now seen that, and it's worth stressing that, you know, the position he played at Millwall was not the position he was asked to play against Cardiff the previous week. You know, Marcellino Nunes was in that 10 role. Um, so the adaptability to go in there and, and look equally comfortable, I think, shows you how uh, how relaxed he is now in terms of the demands being placed on him. There's no, there's no doubt there was elements of his game he had to improve. And I think that's what Wagner's alluding to, that, 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 that those kind of... Physical output and um, and the ability to close down, the ability to lead the press, um, not to not to sort of risk the ball in the wrong areas, which him and Nunes were guilty of at times as they sort of adapted to the pace of the English game. I, I think now you're starting to see emerge, uh, well, an intrinsic part of what Wagner's is trying to achieve in the short term and, and certainly the midterm. But as Sam rightly points out, you know he continues in this vein. Um, I don't think there's any doubt the clubs will be looking at him. And you know that, I'm sure if you're Weber and his recruitment team, they will know that, they will understand that. And now they've got this talent pipeline open from South America, you can guarantee they will already have um, in their analysis players from that territory who could come and be the next Gabby Zara and so on and so forth, because that's the nature of it. You know, Norwich have two get ahead of the curve, get these players in, enjoy them while they can, develop them and then inflate the price that they can sell for compared to the price they paid. That that still remains one of the key pillars of the strategy. But in the here and now, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, given his age as well, I mean, he's only going to go one way, isn't he? Ultimately, um, you're only seeing probably a fraction of what he will become in terms of a player. Um, and for that reason, I think it is very much, you know, Much like with Buendia, you know, it's kind of Norwich can take a lot of reflective pride uh, and enjoyment from a player who they've helped to go on to. It would would probably safe to say, you know, a higher level um, for a team with maybe more loftier ambitions, but that's for the future. You know, again, let's not run away with it that he's now uh, Brian Robson and Diego Maradona rolled into one. He's far from that. So, you know, there's still plenty of growth in his game and... uh, I just think the blend, and you can't underestimate it, and I know he wasn't playing directly alongside him, but what McLean has allowed him to do and how he's allowed him to express himself, you can't underestimate it. And to be fair to Wagner after the Cardiff game, he doesn't. I don't think he's, he's overly keen to sort of separate one out from the other. Yes, he'll talk about their individual talents and their their qualities, but he called them the ideal pairing. He called them the heartbeat of the team. So I think when we discuss Sarah we also do still have to, you know, in the, in in pretty equal measure, discuss Kenny McLean because I think he's allowing him to to be the player that I think all Norwich fans hoped when they heard about a first Brazilian signing and a, a club with the the global sort of appeal of São Paulo. You know, the, the club of Pele, uh, the, the the late great Pele. You know, you thought, well, this this has got to be some player that's coming through the door, and now I think we're starting to see it. I mean, you told the anecdote about the Millwall official, I think there was a the sort of a follow-up to that regarding Zara, wasn't there, and in terms of the comparative between when Millwall came to car road earlier in the season and looking at Zara and the player that they saw saw on Saturday.
0: Yeah, well I, I think like like a lot of people inside and and also outside the game probably wondering whether the price tag, and I think I think uh, the, the person in question mentioned a price tag of £10 million. It's obviously, as we've repeated numerous times, not that, certainly initially. But that's kind of the figure that, that he has, uh, rightly or wrongly, been associated with uh, and maybe didn't necessarily see the value in that. But I, I think after yesterday was uh, very clear uh, on, on that you could now see why that money had been invested in a player of that quality. Um, and I think it's clear for for everyone to see as well. I mean, Sam, just kind of final words on, on the Millwall game. I don't know if there's anything or anyone that we've missed that, that you feel deserves a mention. We could mention quite a few players. Um, I guess the the wider point is as big as a result as it is. It's it's also about kind of putting it in the round just because Norwich City have beaten Millwall. It doesn't automatically, as, as you said, I think right at the start, doesn't solve all the issues that have existed this season. And it now automatically doesn't feel... Uh, or doesn't guarantee that they're going to finish in the top six. Although, you know, we'd probably advise to get to get hotels booked for Wembley, right?
2: Wow, that's a, <laughs> a big statement from you, Connor. I think uh, it all depends on momentum. For me, they've absolutely shown they're good enough to get into the playoffs. And at this stage, I do believe, as much as it, it still hangs in the balance to a degree, if I had to err on one side now, I would say they will be in the playoffs at the end of the season but quite how they hit those playoffs I think will probably decide whether they end up in the Premier League um next season or not I wouldn't mind covering a game from Wembley I'm sure neither of you boys would either so I'm I'm absolutely hopeful that they will get there um I think as as Paddy said earlier probably ambitions of a, a sneaking <coughs> a sneaking run into the top 2 are quite lofty and probably just a little bit more than Norwich could manage at, at this stage. And Sheffield United are a good enough side that they probably will find form again between now and the end of the season. But uh, yeah, I think for me they will get into the playoffs. Um but yeah, don't 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 get your head ahead of yourselves. There's still plenty of really difficult games coming up for Norwich in the coming weeks as well. Even, you know, Sunderland on Sunday will be a really tough test uh despite them perhaps losing some form in recent weeks. So, plenty more to go, plenty more difficult um, times and probably some very nervy last few minutes as it was at the Den um, yesterday. But I do believe they're in a great position. But um, yeah, in terms of people we've missed off, I just wanted to quickly highlight uh, Jakob Sorensen, who I thought was absolutely excellent um, yesterday. I think the way that he moved the ball, I praised Sarah for his movement and his willingness to get on the ball earlier and Sorensen showed that exact same Uh, desire and ability to want the ball and to try and drive the team forward and as I said when you're playing possession-based football and you want to play through the thirds quickly you really need people to offer for the ball and uh, a nice tidy finish um, for that first goal probably could have done more on the sort of midfield destroyer stakes I'm not sure he is quite that player but a really tidy Nice midfield player um, who I think can contribute for Norwich certainly this season in their their push for the playoffs. Uh, and I thought he was really really good, so I just wanted to to highlight his performance as well. Agreed. I spoke to him after the game and
0: uh, very straight faced. He just uh, looked me in the eye and said, "I'm buzzing" in that exact tone as well, which was uh, which was which was excellent in uh, in a way, perhaps only a Scandinavian can. But but I agree. Also really pleasing for him after what's been a pretty torrid time of injury this season. So uh, yeah, well done, uh, Jakob. Paddy, as much as I would like to speak about the plaque of Sean Dyche that you discovered on the way to the den, which uh, I actually I now feel like we're going to have to mention, um, we should probably we should we'll, we'll come back to that at the end. Um, we should probably talk about the fact that, that Stuart Weber has uh, has done an interview uh, with the training ground guru. He's spoken about a lot of topics. It's an hour long one. Probably the the first one that he's done that's been Norris City related in about a year. I think that's fair. I don't know if the Michael Calvin one was, was Norwich City specific. I I, can't, I, can't, I don't know if I listened to that one in the end, but uh, what, what did you, what did you make of it? What's um I mean, he's always someone that when he speaks, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to listen um, either way. I mean, he's, he's the figurehead of, of Norwich City sporting operation. So whatever he says, he's always going to hold sort of gravitas and he's always going to attract Norwich City fans to his words, I suppose. What what did what did you make of the the contents of that and and what did you make of his general demeanor I suppose because he spoke about kind of it was a bit reflective it was a bit forward looking as well there's a bit on the present it was it was a, a piece that kind of covered all all topics really
1: yeah, absolutely yeah no I mean it's compelling whenever he does um, sit down and, and give his thoughts and yeah it was covered the whole range didn't it it was everything from uh, you know, his pathway uh, to, to the job he's doing now, which we've heard before, obviously, and, you know, his thoughts more broadly on the sporting director model. Um, the interviewer suggesting that he's kind of the, the foremost exponent of it in, in this country. And, you know, in some respects, you could say that is. He himself made the point that very rare in his line of work at the top end of the English game to have the autonomy he's got. And we know the situation, you know, with, with the majority owners, they, they trust him implicitly. And, he's basically been allowed to sort of develop a club almost in, in his image or, or prioritise what he has felt all along. And I thought he was I thought he was good on the, he reiterated again that, you know, he doesn't want to hand over whenever and, and who to whoever that is, um, the, the sort of the shell of what he inherited. You know, that would be failure in his eyes. And while you can get hung up on, you know, the, the sort of the, the league status and what they've done in a championship vis-a-vis, what they haven't done in a Premier League, I, I think fundamentally, And and it's most visible in the infrastructure around Colney, which continues apace. You know, as he said in that interview, they've got a new sort of swimming pool, hydro pools set up opening later in the year. Um, That will be best in class, I'm sure. And that just adds to what is, you know, one of the probably leading uh, training grounds in the country now. Uh, And that is a testament to him and his team and the work they've done. Uh, And I think that is beyond doubt. Um, And it's obviously pertinent. We've discussed at length about Gabby Zara and what a, piece of recruitment that looks like, you know, that does look like, again, you know, a hat tip to to the work that he did previously. If you, if you go back to the pre-Brexit cycle where Norwich were seemingly ahead of the curve in terms of their recruitment and, and pulled some rabbits out of hats, which were then basically transformed under Daniel Farker into, you know, teams good enough to win the championship at a canter. Um, so no he's it's always compelling when you listen to him I mean there's obviously areas you know sort he touched on again and we don't need to sort of revisit what's gone before but you know his his relationship with us and he's been very clear about that and you know certain things he said there i I don't tend to agree you know per se and, and not specifically about us but the, the local media in general uh, there was a section there where it more or less inferred that the the local media in general uh, in this part of the world may don't realize how, how well they've been looked after and the access that they've had you can debate that um but fundamentally uh, for me any anything regarding us and him per- particularly i mean that's in the past it doesn't need to be relived again it's certainly nobody uh, listening to this podcast gives uh, any care i'm sure to to whatever the relationship is between us and him and uh, as a result i don't think you know particularly off the back of uh, a win, which is what the most important thing is, the win and Norwich winning games, which we all want. Um, So disappointing that we have to sort of listen to that again, if I'm honest, um, because I don't think it it helps anybody to move forward, uh, which is what it's all about fundamentally. But as he says, you know, that's between us and him. It's not between us and the football club. So, uh, you know, really, I think my biggest sort of takeaway from that is that he, 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 as he said, when Wagner was unveiled, you know, he, he clearly feels that for him, getting this club back to the Premier League is 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 the, the box he needs to tick, and that he's he's firmly up for that challenge. So, you know, beyond where this season ends up, it feels like he's he's very much sort of uh, has the bit between his teeth, and I think that's 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 music to the ears of most Norwich fans because if you get the Webber who who drove this club forward when he first arrived, then um, Again, you'll start to see that Norwich will be ahead of the curve in those marginal gain areas where they can have the biggest impact. And overall, that should mean that you know there's an energy and there's an intensity uh, on the pitch and off the pitch, which is going to push this football club forward again. Which is ultimately what media and fans all want. So, um, but yeah, no, I I throw it open to you boys. I mean, I'm sure you've listened to the large sections of it, but I, I just thought again, you know, whatever your opinion on him as an individual and how he carries himself you can't deny that he's a compelling listener and um and i think ultimately you know he feels to me listening to that, that that he's very much up for the challenge although when asked about his future he made it clear again that um probably because of the journey he's been on it, he, he won't certainly be in in football you know into his sort of later years and and that possibly this will be his last posting in football which he has said in the past so I found that quite interesting as well. Again, it's reaffirmed almost that for him, which again, would lead you to think that for, Nor- for him, Norwich is completing the circle. And for him, clearly completing the circle is, as he said, to be fair in that interview, you get Norwich back into the Premier League and then you sustain them there, which is on the previous two attempts where they've fallen short.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought actually the, the one of the more interesting bits uh, was he was asked a question towards the start about whether he feels that like he's a really good change manager and perhaps less good at the status quo. There was an example that uh, that Simon gave when when he asked that question, and I can't remember who it was, and and he kind of lent into that a bit and said that he felt that was the case, and actually maintaining the status quo after quite a significant period of change is quite difficult, and you can you can see why maybe some of the mistakes that have happened in terms of recruitment or in other areas more more generally have happened. But yeah, I mean, I've said countless times, I think he's Norwich City's best communicator. He always has been Norwich City's best communicator. Um, I think that if you want him to be outspoken and honest, you have to accept that he's going to be outspoken and honest on everything. And so there might be stuff in there that perhaps people don't like, be it supporters, be it whoever. Um, And there's an element, a refreshing element, I guess, compared to perhaps the, the robotic nature of football officials that we had perhaps before his tenure so yeah i'd encourage anyone to go and give that a listen obviously you can read the quotes on our website as well um norwich's next few games Sunderland at home we then head to, to huddersfield then we go to stoke which uh, you know will be lovely to to go to stoke as it as it always is and uh, you know get see what the, the various levels of, of access are like there but hey that's just one man's opinion um I guess we should we should end on the on the Sean Dyche plaque pads. That feels like because I've teed it up now, so we we can't leave uh, we can't leave the listeners in lunch. Tell us about the Sean Dyche plaque that you saw on the way to the den. I quite like going to the den, by the way. I know there's a stereotype around it, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it quite. Uh, I don't know. They're they're a bit lovable rogues, aren't they, Millwall? Beyond all the obviously the violence and the the various issues that they have, the the, the vast majority of them are quite lovable rogues. I've I've, I've butchered that question, but there you go. <laughs> well,
1: I'm not I'm not passing any comment on Millwall in terms of their uh, their their element for uh, more unsavory matters, but uh, or their reputation for that. Should we say no? I yeah, I it's a real football ground, isn't it? And um, real football fans in terms of the passion um as long as it's confined within the you know the stadium and and the vocal backing for their team yeah no it was just on the deitsch thing we one of them blue heritage plaques that you see dotted around about the towns and villages and cities of of this great land um uh, relating to maybe individuals who live there who went to school there or whatever or live there or work there i've seen one or two of those dotted around norwich running off but um yeah, there was a little. Uh, I, don't, I don't quite know the backstory, but there was a blue plaque on a uh, not a lamppost, but kind of them posts that maybe like the cycle lane posts on the approaches to the den. And it was something. Uh, now you put me on the spot. It was like Sean Deitch ate something here or something like that. It, his it was his first worm, wasn't it? Oh, ate his first worm or something. Yeah. No, yeah. There must be some sim- symbolism to that story. If there's anybody. Well, he, he was,
0: when when he was Burnley manager, he, I think one of the, someone he played with, and I'm guessing it was probably at Millwall, which is maybe why that plaque exists about whether, about like a story about how he used to eat worms. And he basically said that he just used to hang a little bit out of the corner of his mouth and then like put it in his mouth and spit it out straight away. And and people would think that he ate worms, but yeah, okay. there, there we go. It's very, it's very on brand for Sean Dyche, isn't it? That, yeah, but, well, uh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, no, that's one of the most more unusual sights you will see approaching a football stadium. I think it's safe to say.
0: Absolutely. That seems like an apt place to leave it. The the, the visualization of Sean Dyke cheating a worm, uh, which we'll we'll leave you we'll leave our listeners with for this week. Sam, Paddy, thank you very much for joining me. Of course, plenty more content analysis and reaction to this big win against Millwall available across our channels, pinkin.com, the Pinkin Plus app, the Pinkin YouTube channel. And of course, if you listen to this podcast and you've enjoyed it, you can always share it with uh, people or you can share it on social media. That would be much appreciated as well. Tell us all your thoughts, get in contact with us anything you'd, you'd like us to speak about in uh, future episodes and of course we'll be back at Carroll Road a week today for the visit of Sunderland um, which is going to be interesting I think they've sold out uh, midday on Sunday so don't forget that as, as uh, I think Paddy did yesterday when I mentioned it to him so uh, yeah lunchtime on Sunday Sunderland comes to Coward Road thank you very much for listening into the Lions Den Norwich City proves they can face adversity contenders absolutely thanks for listening